stay fly, stay fly. Psychonegrosis is a word that explains the condition of the so-called Negro. No matter what happens, we don't disrespect ourselves in public. You, you know, we don't degrade uh, our women's in public. Matter of fact, I should. any any more music or rap videos that portray us in a negative light, we're gonna ban that shit. Now, in private, in our house, we can turn up closed doors. You're listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. They do all that party. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Larry Thomas here on the Vol School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Vaughner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. And we're live. <laughs> peace, it's time for the Fly Guy Show, the Fly Guy Podcast. Uh, peace to the folk who are already on the live. 83 Aborigine. Uh, yo, yo, if you don't know, 83 Aborigine has a fly, a superior fly YouTube channel. Has a lot of great information on our Aboriginal roots uh, using that terminology. I love that, brother. Yo, salute to you. Jammin' Joe True Smooth Sacks. <laughs> Jammin' Joe True smooth sax in the front row salute to that brother yo i love that i love that i play saxophone too haven't played a lot since my days at hampton university go hu the real hu hey the fly guy show is a series of conscious melanated conversations focused on solving our situations through empowerment uh led by me your fly guy edutainer, which is educator and en- entertainer mixed up, and investor, Seiko Varner, uh, from my YouTube channel, Our Black Improvement. And I have a whole host of other fly folk and platformers on our show to give you stuff you need with an underlying focus on black, Afro-melanated economics, uplift, and politics. So, hey, we invite you to join us with your comments as we discuss uplift, conscious consumerism, business activity, social progress, community activism with my fellow investors, educators, business people, authors, content creators, and community activists. So, a couple of hashtags you can follow us on. Hashtag Seiko Varner. Hashtag DJ Seiko if you love mixing, because, you know, I'm a DJ. I get to the mix. Also, hashtag four years of focus. We're really focused on what's happening in the next four years. We're focused on a four-year platform. Hashtag, it's not the agent, it's the agenda. Because it really doesn't matter who we have in office. It matters that we have an agenda that we force upon those who serve us. And that's not just political office that comes with our our ministries, with our leaders in the educational system, with our community leaders and things of that nature. It's not the agent. It's the agenda. And another hashtag is our love ain't loyal. Our love ain't loyal. A little shout to Chris Brown, who's also from VA to up to now. And I got to shout out my girl Star, Star Armstrong. She talks in songs and she says, our love ain't loyal. Our love ain't loyal. So we need to let our politicians know that our love ain't loyal. If you're not rocking with us, if you're not following our agenda, we're not rocking with you. The memoirs of a karmic dynasty. Peace, queen. And I checked her out 
what, yesterday she did a live with my man Crumb from Crumb TV on Nursery Rhymes. You know, London Bridge is falling down. Yeah, so they did a great show on that, so you can check that that podcast, that show out on Crumb TV on his YouTube channel. We also just posted it on Crumb's podcast, so if you like audio, you'll find that on his podcast, so you can find out why London Bridge was falling down, all right? We got Mizell Sanders, Jakima Mullen. Uh, oh, I don't want to say it wrong, so I always think it's Mechalo. And uh, Mizell Sanders, that light skin dude, be going in. <laughs> yeah, that's Crumb. That's Crumb from Crumb TV. So we welcome you to the show tonight. Tonight's show is Get Out of Your Cotton Picking Mind. Get Out of Your Cotton Picking Mind. And we're dealing with epigenetics. So if you're not familiar, let's deal with epigenetics. It's the findings that. Uh, the idea that trauma can leave a chemical mark on one's DNA, which is then passed down to subsequent generations. And so you can inherit trauma. You can inherit fear. You can inherit the tendency. I'm saying tendency. Uh, the inherit the tendency, the chemical tendency to be reluctant. You can inherit those. You can inherit bravery. You know, brave heart. You can inherit those things. You can inherit stress disorders. Uh, you can inherit a lot of things. And epigenetics kind of deals with that. So we're going to deal with that. And we have a guest who's going to be popping on the line. I'm waiting for He's popped up now. The Minister of Information. What's up, good brother? I'm going to bring him on in just a second. Let me do this first. Um, before I bring you on, Ponder. Before I bring you on, brother, I want to introduce you correctly, okay? So, we're going to bring on celebrity chef Jacoby Ponder. So, if you want to know about Chef Ponder, go to this website. As you can see, it's chefjacobyponder.com, and you can find out about his cooking classes, his Chefpreneur Academy, uh, the Kitchen Lab cooking classes, and all that great stuff. Yo, Chef Jacoby Ponder is on the line. What's up, good brother? How you doing, man? Glad to have peace, you on peace. the Fly Guys show again. Peace and love. How you doing, man? How, man, all is well. It is well with my soul. What's happening with you, bro? Man, well, you know, I just, just got finished up with my um, brunch, man. And I'm, you know, still here cleaning up everything. So I stepped away for a minute to hop, hop on here and uh, uh, talk to you real quick. Okay, good stuff, man. And you're going to talk about epigenetics and how we need to get out of our cotton-picking mind. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. You know, that day and age is over, brother. Yeah. <laughs> thinking like slaves, man. Yeah. yeah we, we do have a lot of people who are thinking like slaves. So, a hey, salute to uh, Frank White, 32nd, Lawanda Bay. Oh, we got some bays and we got some L's in the house. Uh, speaking no. of L's and bays, <laughs> L's and the bays, the wheels and the ways, and the ways, right? <laughs> uh, for um, those who don't know your pedigree, in addition to being a great chef, teaching the Chefpreneur Academy, uh, your time in the military, thank you for your service. Uh, but you've also yeah. served our community in a lot of other ways. So uh, drop your resume real quick, bro. Uh, well, you know, like the good brother said, you know. Uh, Prime military service on the culinary side of the house. That's what I do. Um, I also uh, teach uh, health, nutrition, and wellness 
what we should be eating. So I, I uh, try to uh, follow in the footsteps of uh, uh, the late, great uh, Dr. Sebi and, and talk about what we should be eating in the African diet. But that's what I do in the daytime. Um, I also teach uh, history. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge student of the discipline of history. And I love history so much, man, that even in high school, I took history during summer school for no reason at all. Because I just like to learn about what happened. And it was always said, you know, uh, in order to get out of something, you got to know what happened to you. So that's been my take for a very long time. Uh, I've walked through the uh, Masonic Order uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, well, quite a few times ago, but walked through that order, man, got all my degrees. Uh, and, and, and the word degree is important. That's a, it, it, it's, it's noting a certain level of discipline when you have a degree. You know, just like in college or high school or any other school you go to. Uh, so I went to the Masonic degrees, uh, studied uh, with the Hebrew Israelites, uh, and, you know, of course, um, the Minister of Information for the Morris Science Temple. Went to the Morris Science Temple School of Thought as well. Um, and I, I, I obtained, uh, of course, uh, Shrindom or nobility as a noble. Uh, once again, with the Masonic uh, rites. Uh, went up to the 43rd degree, 90th degree, um, so learned that information. It came most to the school of uh, more science, man, and, and that's kind of the uh, last school I attended. Uh, when I say school, uh, whether it's Islam, whether it's Christianity, uh, whatever um, the level of uh, knowledge it is, it's all schools of thought, man. You know, some people like to stay in school for a long time. So you have Christians who they die Christians, you know. You have Muslims who die Muslims because they like that school of thought. My thing was to get into the school of thought, obtain the information, and then graduate and go to the next step. So that's kind of what, what I do. Ashe, Ashe. And it's good to have you on the platform. He's one of our platformers, by the way. So you're going to see Jacoby Ponder pop on there uh, every now and then, the Minister of Information. I don't want to waste time, brother. Uh oh, he got on a cult leader shirt. Salute yeah. to the master students. Prom, man. Salute Shout to the master students. Master, man. <laughs> cult leader. And the shirt, you know, uh, uh, I would say confuse a lot of people. But again, uh, I'm a student of etymology too, so I understand words, you know. You know, this might say when you con to something, you know, it's a con game, you confuse. Uh, cult leader. Cross session. Chester, brother. Cult for me, cult is the root word for culture, family. Cult Absolutely. is the root word for culture. So I am a culture leader. Um, don't don't begin to think uh, pagans and, and something crazy. So uh, we want to talk about getting out of your cotton picking mind and uh, the miseducation of the Negro. And people must know that a Negro or a nigga, right? Let's stick with Negro. A Negro was a created creature. Okay. In North America, um, prior to the uh, landing of Europeans, there's no such thing as a Negro nowhere on planet Earth. Then the word Negro, we know it means uh, uh, black uh, from the uh, French word Noir, right? Uh, and there's several other uh, uh, definitions, but we're gonna talk about the etymology for a second. The, the etymon or the etymology of the word. Negro or black all derives from the word blanc or pale. And we talk about Negroes. A Negro is not a person or a people. When we identify ourselves as Negroes and niggas or what up my nigga at ETC, right? 
You have to understand that's something called a uh, exonym. And this is the discipline of language or linguistics. And I think a lot of our people, right, they don't understand the laws and the statutes and the rules for a lot of language a lot of the times. So they're miseducated. Dealing with language and definition is something called lexicon. Lexicon is the rule or standard of which a language derives or a language is interpreted, right? So if you don't understand a lexicon, then you're declared to be dyslexic. Right, there you go. Right. Because you don't understand words, right? We have to understand something called parts of speech. Parts of speech are adjectives and nouns and pronouns and ETC. The word black, once again, falls under an adjective. You're a noun, family. You're not an adjective. So these very things is, is something uh, that uh, the uh, Noble Juwali, Prophet Noble Juwali, right, of the Morris Science Temple, when he came in his time in the early 20s, of America. Now, why was that an important time, 1921, 23 to 27, 28, and beyond? 1920s, right? The 1920s in America were a heightened stage for the spoken growth. You had the Harlem Renaissance happening in New York. After the 1920s, right? You had right. something going on in the 1800 called Weeksville. Weeksville predates Tulsa, Oklahoma. Weeksville was the first predominant black community. Right? I'm using the term black as the colloquial now. Look at what the word colloquial means. A colloquial. Hey, bro. Uh, hey, bro. Bro. Yeah. Can, can you uh, stay in one place that looks like you're having a, a difficult time and you're buffering? I think it's because you're moving around. Let me uh, put this phone right here. Okay. You said that. Uh, Hopefully. Right. Go ahead and keep talking and we'll know. Alright, move. There we go. So when I'm talking about the colloquial meaning, a colloquial term is a term of understanding between groups of people or myself and family, right? So I'm gonna use the word black and negro interchangeably, but I'm gonna explain what it means. And this is what more science temple said something very important. It said the word black means death according to science. What you know, what bro? Uh, I, I think you're still breaking up. I think Hold you're on. still breaking up. So I tell you what, I'm gonna do. Uh, if on. you can work on getting a really strong signal, brother. One of the things that I'm gonna do right now is kind of bring us back, uh, give us some grounding for this conversation. Uh, yo, Sister Pool's in the house. What's up, Queen? How you doing? Uh, one of the grounding pieces is we're in what we call Black History Month. And during Black History Month, we study the the history and the movements of people of African descent in the United States of America and beyond. Uh, so I wanted just to highlight the good brother, Dr. Carter G. Woodson, one of my frat brothers, uh, one of my frat brothers. He's yeah, he's Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Uh, so he and some members of the fraternity and church members pulled together and they were working on setting up a Negro History Day. And then it turned into Negro History Week, later became Black History Month. And from time to time, we have 
some of us who are misinformed who say silly things like, yeah, they gave us the smallest, the shortest, coldest month to celebrate us. It wasn't a they thing. Uh, when Dr. Carter G. Woodson and the rest of the compadres pulled it together, they were finding a time period when they can celebrate um, a president. And they were also celebrating, and I can't think of the brother's name right now, and I'll bring you back on in just a second because it looks like your signal is back. So they were celebrating Frederick Douglass, and they were celebrating Abraham Lincoln. And to do that, they did that in February. So a lot of times we demean and demean our own creation by saying silly stuff like they chose the smallest, coldest, shortest month and all that stupidity that you hear some of us who are uninitiated say, uh, it looks like everything is good back now, Brother Jacoby. So now on the Fly Guy show, quick disclaimer, we will use the term black and we not we're not stupid. We understand we're not talking about a color proper. We're not talking about a nation, a city, a planet called black. Uh, we're not talking about legal status when we use the term. Uh, but. We do understand and understand great information like the brother is going to give us. So you're back on, Brother Jacoby. It looks like everything is good now. Let's bring you back on and let you roll from there, bro. All right. Some light in here, man. Um, it's good? We're good, man. We're, we're excellent now. Yes, sir. All right. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So, and I heard you making a couple of... Couple, what's that? Oh, you just got people who was that's the shout out, and they were saying that's the month of his and Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Yeah. All right. So Black History Month was uh, founded by Carter G. Wilson, and uh, he had a group. It wasn't just him. Carter G. Wilson wrote the book The Miseducation of the Negro. Now, what he was doing, he was trying to champion. He was trying to set in place something for us that highlighted us. Right. Now, when you look up uh, Carter G. Wilson, you can get into uh, W.E.B. Du Bois and uh, uh, a lot of the founding members and parties of the NAACP. And it's going to take you back to what's called the Boulé Society. I say. And, right. you know, it's a different, different topic. So, going forward, the miseducation of the Negro, real quick, understanding, we don't understand words that well, you know. Right. We... We call slang, a lot of slang. Or uh, I remember a time when Ebonics was about to become the most popular language in America, and they quickly put a cease to that, right? Uh, you had people like E-40 writing his own dictionary. See, once you begin to define words for yourself and understand the words for yourself as a community, that's called a endonym. Those are called endonyms. Earlier, I mentioned what was called a exonym. An exonym is what another community, another group of people call you. See what I'm saying? So, okay. The the fact that we call ourselves black, Negro, and colored was because another group of people was calling us those terms. That's called exonyms. What we call ourselves are called endonyms. Why is this important? Because the more science temple teaches, right, that according to science, black means death. And of course, like you mentioned earlier, you have a whole uh, uh, group of people saying, well, now black means infinite and and, and black is powerful and, and the universe is black. And and what about Osiris, the great black god of Egypt? Well, first of all, that's foolish. Any scholar understands that you have to trace what's called the etymology of the etymon. 
And according to etymology, the word black wasn't invented until the 1600s. That means anything dealing with black prior to the 1600s did not exist. So there are no ancient black people because the term black did not exist. Now, quickly, we would say shit like, well, you know what I mean. And by saying, well, you know what I mean, that's called the colloquial meaning. Along with the right. word colloquial, you also have something called a, um, um, give me a second, it's called a, um, not misnomer, but um, connotative. Right. Connotative is kind of like, well, you know what I mean. The denotative is exactly what it means. Right, exactly. So when the moral science temple says, according to science, black means death, we never ask the brothers, well, which science? There are several sciences. According to political science, the term black in the eyes of the law means civil mortus. Right. Civil, easy word to remember, right? Mortus means death. Death. The word mortus or morgue, death. The word mortgage is a dead pledge. Right. So it's these are all the terms right. that we have to understand. These terms are found in spells. The first thing we learn in school, this is why it's important to educate our children ourselves and not send them to institutions and then wonder why our children are all jacked up. Because the first thing that your child will learn in an institution will be spelling or what they call grammar. Now, the word grammar is also the word grimoire. Both the words spell and grimoire means magical incantations. If they don't get you with the spelling and the grimoire, they get you with what's called the ghost spell. Okay. The right, short right. of the ghost spell is called gospel. That's what gospel means. It's the ghost spell. So we have to understand the language. The language. Also, it says, according to science, black means death. What other science besides political science? Social science. Socially, there are no people called black people that belongs to the human family. Nowhere. Nobody is black. We say it amongst ourselves as a term of endearment or sincerity under the colloquial meaning. But we must understand that by uh, continuing to champion these words and say these words, these misnomers, they lead us down uh, a dark hole, a dark path, man, to death, miseducation, poverty. Everybody on planet Earth right now who belongs to the human family, they have what's called a nationality. Why is nationality so important? The word nationality actually means NATO. It means right. kin or tribe. It's telling people who you belong to on Earth. What tribe do you belong to on Earth? There are earthly tribes. And that's why the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, salam, he taught that he taught the black man to understand. And again, I'm saying black man for the colloquial term. Right. He would ask questions like, how much do the planet weigh? And you had to have that cipher or the information to say six, six quartillion times between 13 ciphers. How many uh, square miles of half a land on the planet Earth? You had to be able to recite that. He was trying to teach us in his day. And prior to the honorable Elijah Muhammad, you had Farad Muhammad. 
and Farad Muhammad was taught by Noble Ju Ali. Now, right. Noble Ju Ali and Marcus Garvey, who we call the harbinger of Moses prior to Jesus, being, uh, uh, and we say Jesus is justice. Noble Ju Ali stood, stood on a milk crate in Newark, New Jersey, and he shouted, and he taught, and he preached, and he taught to the so-called Negro. In the 1920s, brother, understand that it was just 40 years prior, I'm sorry, 50 years prior, slavery, chattel slavery, was just declared illegal. This was done by what was called the Emancipation Proclamation. And remember, family, we're dealing with uh, the etymology, the etymon. Emancipation Proclamation. A, a proclamation is just a public statement made by a government official. That's all a, a, a proclamation is. The word emancipate, however, means to transfer, to transfer property. What property was transferred? You or your ancestors was transferred from the plantation over to the state. If you do your research around the same time that the Emancipation Proclamation was declared, you can see a lot of stuff happening in the 1880s, 1890s, 1870s. Things like Social Security cards in the early 1900s. Things like birth certificates. Right. These things became mechanisms of creating capital off the people. You became what was called a ward of the state. The term ward means you were property or state's property. So now... Your birth certificate says ward of the state. Whatever state you was born in, that's who you belong to. So this is why I say get out of your cotton-picking mind and understand that what we're going through as a people, and the ties are about to change right now, by the way, and right. I know there's a lot of people, people out here who are champions for the word black-owned business. Black business. Black-owned. I'm one of them. Right. Now... There's nothing wrong with supporting black-owned business. Nothing at all. Being that money in the Asian community circulate 19 times. A Jewish community is like seven to eight times, maybe higher. In the white community, around the same amount of time. In the black community, they say 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That so, means between all the neighborhoods you know about, a dollar only goes from one black hand to another black hand within 18 minutes and it's out of the community. Out, out. So, and I want to make sure that we uh, stay on track, bro. Tonight, we're dealing with epigenetics and I know you're going to pull it all together and I just want the people to know. Yeah, I know you are, bro. I know you are. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we are going to pull this all together. So don't get don't get kind of mixed up and like I thought it was going to be about epigenetics and get out of your cotton picking mind. Brother Kobe is giving the foundation for his dissertation, if you will. He's going to give the foundation for his talk. Uh, I have on the screen some of the things we're going to talk about. These were part of Dr. Carter G. Woodson's uh, beautiful book, The Miseducation of the Negro. And so we're going to tackle some of those things like he talked about, the, you know, uh, weakness and the educated Negro loves and leaves the masses and the failure to make a living. We're going to talk about all those great things that were in that book. But I know that Jacoby's about to bring the heat as well. So true believers, don't get tied up. Don't get worried. We are going to get there. So Jacoby, keep going, bro. All right, that's what it is. I mean, yeah, we, we could definitely uh, follow f follow that. 
um, um, part. But I just want to get some quick background, right? Right. To why do y'all think it was illegal for slaves to read, family? Do you guys really think that the ancestors were 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 were, were stupid and uneducated and they could not read? Not at all. If you never spoke a certain language called English, and I gave you a English book, that wouldn't make you ignorant or stupid or retarded or dumb or whatever word you want to use. You just never seen the language before. So the Europeans figured if we can keep them from learning our language, if we can keep them from learning English, we can tie their ass up in much paperwork, legalities, uh, we can use big words, we can use all kind of stuff to trip the Negro up because the Negro has never seen such words. The Negro don't even want to read books. I had a friend of mine told me that if you place a million dollar lottery ticket in the middle of a book and you give the book to a nigga and you say, read this book, you become a millionaire. He said the nigga would throw the book in the trash can, not knowing if he had just read the book. So there's a huge misnomer to the fact that black people hate to read. Again, there's always negative connotations dealing with black people. When I tell you that black people are doing something, you ask a slew of questions. Well, who's cooking? Who's going to be there? Who's putting it together? Because you're worried. <laughs> you're concerned. Because you know that black people don't do good business. If I say there's a white company or a Asian company, you wouldn't think twice. You know what? Let me give you an example, bro. Let me give you a quick example on that. You know, I have my own disc jockey company. And if something goes wrong with my company, I had 20 DJs at one point. If one thing went wrong, we caught, you know, we had to give full refunds and our clients wanted every, but I often will do some events for another company that's predominantly white owned. And I'm one of the best DJs, right? And so I was working with them and a client said to me, man, you did such a great job. We want you for all of our events because for the last three years with this company, we've had a horrible time. They gave, they gave that company three years consistently giving them horrible service. But if it would have been my company, I would have no, gotten one shot up. Yeah. I would have gotten one yeah. shot and everyone yeah. would have been saying crazy stuff. I have an uh, aunt who one day at the, at the table, she was like, I'm not giving my money to any more black contractors because they always do a horrible job or black business always do a horrible job. And I said, really? I said, you just came back from Food Line because they messed up your chicken order. She said, yeah. I said, well, is this the first time they messed it up? No. Why'd you go back? What, what, you know, of course they start backpedaling, but we have developed a, uh, and I guess it's in our genes, and you, I know you're going to get to that, uh, that we've really developed a self hate about each other, uh, about ourselves. And I'm sure you're going to say it's connected to the fact that we use the term black in defining ourselves. Well, not, not only that, you know, like I, I run a brunch every Sunday and it's predominantly our people, you know, and they're, there, there are issues every Sunday. I'll be transparent, you know. Uh, the food don't come out on time or whatever have you. Um, and they leave. They're upset. They're mad. Now, they came yeah. out to support 
uh, what what they perceive to be a a black owned business, a black brand, or whatever the case is, or a brother. Um, and you know, but as black business owners, we must hold ourselves accountable. We must we must make sure that we're providing top notch service and not half ass service, and we're not cutting corners, and we're not uh, having slackers on our staff, and we have those managers in place. See, white businesses will spend, and I, I work for a lot of corporate entities, right? They will spend thousands of dollars on training alone. Yes. yes. They will spend thousands of dollars putting policies and procedures in place. We won't do that. We try to go out and find somebody who already knew how to do it. We're well, trying to go find the, some we're trying to find the best chef, the best this, the best that, and hire them, hoping that the fact that they're the best at what they do maintain our business. And we spend zero dollars on training. So I challenge black businesses to hold yourselves accountable. Hold yourself to the same standard as the white companies do. And you won't have any problems. You won't. So now, going back into the measure, talking about epigenetics. If you guys okay. have not looked the word up yet, please take time to Google the word epigenetics. Epigenetics states that it's a traumatic experience and it's passed down through right. the DNA. That means your DNA is coded for violence. Your DNA is coded for certain reactions to certain situations. That's what epigenetics is. So if your mother experienced a traumatic time while she was carrying her stomach, then in the 80s we had the cocaine epidemic who only affected the so-called Negro the most. What cocaine did to the black community in the 80s, it destroyed it from the grassroots by attacking the mother. The black mother, who is the teacher, the black father is the enforcer and the provider. The black, sure. the black mother is the teacher. So if the black mother is displaying certain attributes or certain behaviors, the child will pick up and cue in on that behavior automatically by default. How does that work? For all, not all, for most, not most, for some black males growing up in rural America, whether it be the projects, the hood, whatever you want to call it, they're taught, these are black males, they're taught not to cry. Right. They're taught to man up. They're taught not to show any uh, uh, expression of emotion at all. So you have this young man young boy growing up right not being able to express himself or or, or display his feminine attributes because we're both male and female not being able to have an outlet so he grow up being a thug or a gangster or whatever his father was and his father was the same way and we see this throughout our uh, history that's why if you remember I know growing up anytime I would go over my friend's house the mom of the grandma would ask my name. They would then ask my mother's name. They would then ask, well, what's your uncle, your grandma's name? Uh, they're trying to find out who I am, but not just my name. They're trying to find out a connection through my family lineage. So, for example, Seiko, if you brought a homeboy home and I was your father and I said, well, who's that young man? You said, oh, dad, that's Marvin. 
And I say, well, who's Marvin's father? And you say, Peter. Peter who? Peter Smith. Now, I know Peter Smith. Peter Smith grew up stealing, robbing, looting. Now, I tell you, don't hang around Marvin no more. Right. And you're puzzled. But what the family is doing, they're going through the DNA marker. They're going back through the history of the family to find out if his father did it or if his grandfather did it, then he will do it because the apple don't fall too far from the tree. Yeah, that's epigenetics in a nutshell. The apple doesn't far, fall and too far exactly from the tree. And that's exactly what right. it is. It's, it's hardwired. It's hardwired in our DNA to act a certain kind of way. Do, not to us, but what happened to our mothers and our forefathers prior to us is passed down throughout the years. So now imagine 400 plus years of, uh, 300 something years of chattel slavery, Jim Crow, being lynched, being hung, being hunted, being shot. 400 plus years of that behavior inside of the so-called Negro is now hardwired to be the way we are. And that's through science, family. That's why in the Morris Science Temple, we say, according to science, not according to Brother Ponder, not according to the Grand Sheik, not according to nobody else, but according to science, black means death. Civil martus. That's it. Period. It dictates the behavior. All right. On the screen, I have some information from Wikipedia. Now, of course, Wikipedia is not going to give us everything, but it did ask about childhood trauma, and it talked about uh, epigenetics. And one of the questions that pops up, so can childhood trauma be reversed? And and I'm asking that not about childhood trauma. I'm really asking about the trauma that people of African descent have experienced in uh, chattel slavery and in the Ma'afa and all the things we've dealt with. How can that be reversed? Because your your statement is that things have been passed down in our DNA due to things that happened. Can it be reversed? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Look up a word called uh, positive eugenics. Now, when you say the word eugenics, I get scared, bro. No, because, <laughs> because epigenetics is the same thing, brother. Epigenetics. We're dealing with words. Now, I can't really see it. Read up the positive. Positive Uh eugenics, right? Encouraging people with good genes to have more children. I can't really read the rest of it, but this is how you reverse it right here. Okay. All right. Right there. The distinction between positive and negative eugenics is perhaps the best known as, what did it say? Distinction? Distinction that has been made between forms that eugenics takes. Roughly, Positive eugenics refers to efforts aimed at increasing desirable traits, while negative eugenics, uh, current hip-hop music, refers to the efforts aimed at decreasing undesirable traits. I I said that wrong. I said that wrong. But, yeah, that's it. So, positive means you're going to increase desirable traits. Negative eugenics means you're removing undesirable traits. It's like um, positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. You know, we learned that in school. We learned that positive reinforcement, when somebody does something great, you tell them, man, good job, excellent. Let's see more of that. When somebody does something that's negative, you say, hey, we need to change that. We don't want that as much. What else can you do differently? So it's positive eugenics and negative eugenics. Right. 
the positive eugenics is a way, and, and I think that's the direction that as a community we're going to. There's a network family called um, uh, SoulVision.tv. And it started by a brother named BK Fulton, who's now launch or launching this Thursday. He's on uh, a network, right, which will appear on your smartphones and smart TVs right beside Hulu and Netflix. But it's but it's called Soul Vision right there. And I say, scroll I say. down for me. Yes, scroll sir. down. You get a new look when you have Soul Vision. And that commercial right there, this commercial family, he's talking about it's now time to start showing our people in a more positive light. Because, see, what you see, you become. What you think about the most, you become. So this station, this network is a step for positive. For po- you see my name up there? Yeah, you see it. Yeah, I, okay, yeah, yeah. That was a so, shameless plug. Shameless plug. So <laughs> this station is gonna reinforce on they're gonna not they're not showing any gangster movies, any slate, anything shows in a negative light. They're not showing it. It's all positive black TV, a hundred percent. And I wanna 100%. shout I wanna shout out comedian Allison Moore, because there's a porno star named Allison Moore and this is totally a different person salute to comedian Allison Moore she's a hilarious sister she was with us at the Black Brand Gala recently, she, that sister is hilarious, so I can't wait to see the great things that are coming out of soulvision.tv I, I'm definitely signing up, I'm going to get the app it's going to be a great thing wow, it's going to be available soon on supported home and mobile devices Okay, on Roku? Okay, I have Roku. That's what's up. It'll be on my phone and on my cable. That's what's up. So, you're right, man, because I used to wonder, we had black entertainment television, but we needed black improvement television. Uh, We needed something that was going to focus on improving our situation here in the Americas. Uh, But, so, back to epigenetics. What are some of the things we got to get out of our cotton picking mind? What are some of those things? What are some of the things that we need to get out of our mind? And a great thing is, I know the family can answer that as well. Uh, yeah, because the Minister of Information, Jacoby Ponder, is really the Minister of Information. All right. Oh, yeah, I did see the uh, Tamahu on the cover. <laughs> and so for the person who's asking, just got here, who is the gentleman at the bottom? Uh, the person that's talking is celebrity chef Jacoby Ponder. And Ponder is our minister of information. And I'm telling you, Ponder knows it all. Uh, so he was involved with the Morris Science Temple. He was involved with the Five Percenters. And what we're sh- highlighting right now is soulvision.tv so soulvision.tv is going to promote a lot of positive content and we need to all make sure that we support soulvision, well not support if you like it, log on to it if you like it, log on to it and our celebrity chef Jacoby Ponder is going to be on soulvision he's going to do some catering so it's going to be a great thing so uh, brother Jacoby man, back to Epigenetics. What are some of the things that are embedded in our DNA? What are some of the things that are embedded in our slave minds, our slave mentalities? What are some of those things? Um, well, the, 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 the first thing is work. <laughs> we all have to get a job and work. Work. 
working for somebody else. Um, and I'll admit, in the last, I think, what, nine to maybe nine, ten years, maybe eight, six years strong, you've seen a huge boom or rise in black-owned businesses. And it's celebrated in such a way that we never owned our own business in the first place, like, like as if Tulsa, Oklahoma never existed. As in uh, North Carolina, uh, places before then, as if Egypt never existed. Timbuktu, as places where we always have established our own business. It's unfortunate that we've been blocked and denied the right to own our, operate our own business. All of us. So right. when we see one of us who's doing good business or have a business, we're hesitant to support until that person becomes popular or trendy. Then here we come. Well, we must understand that the number one consumer in North America is a African-American female. Right, right. Between the age of 30 and 55. Especially the professional working black women. They're the ones who are taking the trips. They're the ones that are the realtors in Atlanta. The mayors in Atlanta. The state senators. They're the ones who are really running this shit. Because those women, those black women, are now being targeted. Not in a bad, not in a negative way. But by companies. Understanding that they have the key to the black dollar. They already know that the, the, the average black male does not earn as much as a black female. The average black male is not more educated or as equally educated as a black female. These are all statistics and stats that are studied. So now when we are now in 2020, we're finally waking up realizing, hey, we have to do our own business with one another. We have to establish business with one another. We have to. There's some pros and cons to having your own business as a black business owner. And what do we do as black supporters? We wait. We ridicule. We don't shop with our people. We don't circulate the money in the black community at all. We figure that the Asian nail shop is better than the black owned nail shop. We figure that the uh, white or Asian restaurant tastes better than the black owned restaurant. Um, these are all these factors that we deal with, man. And so many factors we deal with. So what we have to do is we have to show positive black businesses who are successful and do good business. We have right. to put the light on uh, the talented uh, DJs, the talented chefs, the talented florists, the talented uh, uh, wedding planners, everybody who's in this market who are doing positive things, doing great business. That's the only way to reverse the effects of epigenetics. Dr. George DeGuerre, or DeGruy, talks a lot about post-traumatic slave syndrome. Post-traumatic slave syndrome, right, which is epigenetics. There's also another term you can look up real quick. It's called psychonegrosis. Okay. Psychonegrosis. Psychonegrosis is a word that explains the condition of the so-called Negro. And I keep saying so-called Negro. I keep saying black people. I keep saying African-American because these are the only three labels or titles that the listeners can tune into. But 
understanding, family, you're not African-American. That was a term that was given to you by Jesse Jackson. What, what, correction black. on that. Go correction ahead. on that. That was a term that was popularized by Jesse Jackson. He didn't create it. It was around before that. Sometimes that has gotten out of people really believe that he created that term. It was popularized by him. We can bring that back to... Um, Arturo Schomburg. So Arturo Schomburg called himself Afro Boricua, and then the African Boricua, uh, African, a uh, Puerto Rican of African descent. When he came to the United States, he got clicked up with some of the people who were involved in groups that uh, Carter G. Woodson and um, Du Bois were clicked in with, and so they started using these terms. So then you heard Malcolm X, yeah, yeah, you heard Malcolm X start using the term Afro American. And after Afro-American had its turn, the term African-American became popular. Now, Jesse Jackson made it most popular, but he didn't create that term. And I, I, I sometimes I worry about, you know, sometimes we pass on misinformation. And you're the minister of information, so I definitely want to make sure that whenever you're on, the correct information gets out, bro. Continue. Now, continue. Do your now, measure. Now, Do your measure. Now, now, Jesse Jackson lobbied that term to be used. He did. He did. Against against the will of the people. Yeah. Now, yeah. he got behind the term African-American, and he championed that term African-American. Jesse was around the late 70s, 80s. Prior to that, you had uh, people like uh, James Brown who made the term black real popular. Right, right, right. Say it loud. I'm uh, black, black and, and I'm proud. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, going back... Dealing with the terms black, negro, colored, African-American, ETC. Because we're dealing with the miseducation of black people. We're dealing with epigenetics. We're dealing with all these elements. The number one proponent of this condition is just miseducation and misinformation. We're some of the most believable people on the planet. We'll believe whatever you tell us. We won't research it. We won't read it. We don't really care. That condition, again, can be defined in the term psychonegrosis. Right there, that's it. It's okay. All right, so uh, let's let's go on that term very quickly. And, and, and the first thing the term says is a mental condition. It's a mental condition. Yeah, let me read it. Top definition: psychonegrosis. Uh, the circa 1960s, a mental disorder affecting the spirit, personality, motives, and actions of quote-unquote Negroes who have failed to rid themselves of the psychological ills that they've accrued from their collective experience with foreigners. Marked by a distorted ideal of self and others, psychonegrosis results in unnatural patterns of perception, logic, thought, speech, behavior, and emotional expression, and is accompanied by various other unnatural dispositive manifestations, such as, but not limited to, self-group depreciation, the championing of non-Black ideas, conversion to non-Black religions, xenophobia, Anglo-centric xenophobia, cognitive dissonance, sexual deviation, escapism, and that was a great album by the late James Brown, Escapism. That was one of my favorite albums by him. Dual or double consciousness, conflicting loyalties, and unscrupulous liberalism. Ooh, unscrupulous 
liberalism, differing in degrees of severity from one individual to another. Continue, Big Brother. You see that? You see that? When we talk about family, write this stuff down, family, please. We're talking about epigenetics. We're talking about psychonegrosis, cognitive dissonance. All these things are mental conditions. Mental. So now, I'm going to keep referencing Noble Drew Ali, Wahilehi Salam. I'm going to keep referencing the prophet because he talked about this stuff. He said, there are no such people as black, negroes, or common folks. These were all terms given to us by slave catchers. Around 1976, and last to about 1865. Now, this is a new era in time where everybody must proclaim their nationality. That's why the Real ID Act is coming around, family. That's why in 2020, they're now redoing the uh, census. That's why you have shit like population control. That's why our brothers and sisters in New Orleans, no Katrina, they call them refugees. And you know what? I've, I've heard that that you know nationality is the order of the day. You know, for years. I, I, I love always. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. So I wonder though, when we say that's the reason the census is coming about, if that's a founded statement. I'm not saying that's the reason the census. The census come every every what ten every ten, 10 years. years. Every ten right. years. But it's just ironic that within the last five to six years large numbers of Negroes are hearing about the teachings of Noble Drew Ali here in the last five or six years you're hearing it more often now right. you're seeing more more often now you're seeing more than the news more often you're seeing cool people like Erica Badu who's now more common who's now more uh, 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 what's the mother name Rapper, can tell his name right now. Um, from New York, very conscious brother. I call his name in a minute, but him, Tali Kwali. You see, all these conscious rappers are now understanding. Oh shit, we have to have a nationality. Yes, it's important. The Moors are not saying this shit to recruit y'all or to get y'all to stop being Christians or stop going to church. The Prophet already said some of his best Moors in the church. It's fine. Keep your religion, yes, but, it, but at least get a nationality. Keep your job. Keep your Pan-Africanism. Keep all of that. But what is your nationality? I know people personally from Africa, personally from Africa. The first thing you ask them is, hey, what's your nationality? They're going to tell you the nationality. They're going to start by saying their country. Nigeria. I'm a Nigerian. Then they're going to follow by saying their tribe. I'm Igbo. They're going to tell you their fucking nationality. White people, you work with them, ask them their nationality. They're going to tell you, even if they're young, 25, 35 years old, they're going to tell you, I'm Irish, I'm Italian, I'm Norwegian, I'm German, I'm Irish. They're telling you what their grandfather was, which that makes them the same thing. And that's why we say, without doubt or contradiction. 
you are what your forefathers were. Before the word black was made popular, before the word African American was made popular, before the word Negro, before the word color, before all these words were made popular, because these words have a birthday, they call it, it's called etymology. You were the original man, period. And it starts and stops right there. And now is the time Due to the miseducation of the so-called Negro, you must proclaim a nationality, family. It's important. Now, go on and get the real ID if you want to. It's fine. Keep no, you're going to have to if you want to get on that plane, bro. You got to get the really. real ID if you want to get on that no, plane. No, no, no. You get a passport. Get a passport. Now, get a passport. To do domestic, to do domestic you got to have the uh, real ID. I'm with the DMV. A couple of days ago to renew my tax, they asked you, they asked you DMV, which is a corporation, by the way. They asked you, real ID? Yes. I said, no, I have a passport. Pull it up. If you don't have a passport, you must have a real ID to travel. If you do not have a passport, people right, with passports prior to 2020 were already grandfathered in. Okay, so <laughs> if you have that passport, that's the distinction. Right. right, so what is some, you know what? Let, let's. I want to make sure that we get this in in the uh, in the book, the miseducation of the Negro. Dr. Carter G. Woodson has a chapter on how we missed the mark, how we drifted away from the truth is another chapter. Education under outside control is another chapter. The failure to learn to make a living is another chapter, and then. Political education neglected and professional education discouraged. Um, let's go with professional education discouraged. All right. So, how in epigenetics have we been discouraged away from professional education? Well, that's it. That's easy. You're, I, I mean, I, I think we're around the same age, or whatever the case is. <laughs> you, you, you remember? You remember going through high school? You, you took stuff like woodshop. You took right. stuff like right. uh, 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 mechanics or some shit. You know, you, you was able to work on cars. You had, you had uh, mechanics. You could damn near come back, I think around 96, up until like 98, 2000, before then, you could come out of high school with a trade and not go to college at all. Mm-hmm. You must realize that the majority of black people work, we work well with our hands. We have brilliant minds, but but we're creators. We're L's. We create things. So we're able to touch it and manipulate it. And, and a lot of black people, we just show them how to do something. They'll do it. A large majority, and I'm, I'm joking right now, but a large majority of black people during Christmas don't even read the damn instructions. They look at the picture on the box and they build it. Screws everywhere. <laughs> but it's done. Because we are a visual people. We have to touch it. When you start putting stuff in inside of a pamphlet or literature or words, that's when we get fucked up right there. So, education-wise, there was a large, huge movement for us to educate our own children. There were black schools everywhere, brother. There was all over the place. I mean, you know, HB, some HBCUs has its birthplace in early black education. What we wanted to do 
we figured that the white schools had better budgets, they had newer books, the curriculum was better, uh, the uniforms looked cleaner, the food tasted better, whatever the case was. And this is, again, from the psychonecrosis, because in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they had black schools, high schools, middle schools, and everything. Everything was all black. Tulsa, Oklahoma was, was, was Wakanda. And you know what? It wasn't just Tulsa, Oklahoma, even though that's one of the no. better examples. Yo, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma is like our Kemet. It's like our Egypt. It's one of the best examples. Well, well, it's one of the later examples because you have to remember, Rosewood was around before Tulsa. Wheatfield was around before Tulsa. Right. Many communities of, of, of African descent that were established and were, or were educating their children and thriving in society prior to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma, like you say, is just that diamond in the rough. It just stands out because there's so much historicity. The Gap Band comes from that area. That's what the yep. song is about. You dropped the bomb on me. You dropped uh, so, the bomb on me. And baby. that's what it was about. So <laughs> how do we change that? We change the narrative by educating our own. Once again, the black mothers, you are the teachers of the household. Whatever you do, your daughters do. Whatever you do, your young sons will do. Whatever you eat, they eat. And this is my chef part coming out. I tell people all the time, brother, my lectures. In nature, the baby only eats what the mama eats. Humans and animals alike. So if the mom has a poor diet, the child got a poor diet. If the mother is miseducated, nine times out of ten, the child is miseducated. If the mom is on welfare or poverty stricken, that's how it is for the children. Then that's one, two, maybe diamonds in the rough to get a scholarship and go join the NFL or NBA, come back and blow the blow the whole, you know, blow the whole uh, neighborhood up. That's very rare. But the point of the matter is we must now begin to educate our children in our homes. If you are on this live feed right now, and if you, if you have a high school diploma, or if you have a associate's degree, and one of your friends, your close friends, they have a bachelor's degree, you guys should come together between the two of you guys and create a freaking curriculum to teach I your say, children. I say. You Me have enough example. education. Listen, tell you something. Black women are the leading group in America when it comes to education. Getting a uh, uh, RN, registered nurses, and getting their bachelor's, getting their doctoral degrees, and, and getting their masters, and all kinds of stuff, becoming doctors and lawyers. You guys have already broke the bank. Now it's time to turn all the education that you done paid for back into the community. Right. Go right, back into the right. community. Go to these community centers every Saturday. Spend two hours on a Saturday. Develop your own curriculum. That's why Africans champion Negroes in America. They don't hate us. They know that we spent over 400 years understanding and being taught and learning this so-called uh, 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 uh information right, and education. Right. They wish that we come back over there and teach them now. They're asking. Fact, they're opening the doors for us to do that. I'm involved in an initiative where we're taking some of the things that we're doing here in the States and we're actually uh, implanting those skills, those trades, those businesses in Ghana and in uh, Nigeria. Well, Nigeria, not Nigeria, but in Ghana and um, I can't think of the other country. But yeah, they're saying, hey, the doors are open. The opportunity exists because we're going to give it to the Chinese if you don't get them. 
Right. And that's something that we all should be to take heed with, man. But again, it starts in our own communities. It's it starts with us teaching ourselves, teaching our children. And myself, hell, I have a, a bachelor's degree in food service management. So what I went and did was, I said, I don't go to nobody's college. I'm going to start my own program. And that's what Chefpreneur is all about. And not only during these Chefpreneur classes am I educating our people on how to start their own restaurants and their own businesses, but I dropped small jewels, historical jewels, to let them know that the first man that invented a car was a black man. Kenya, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. And furthermore, I tell them, and the, the cell first phone. man, the first man that invented a car had never seen one before that. That's how powerful ooh, ooh, we are. Say that again, brother. Say that the again. The first man that made a car had never seen a car. That's how powerful we are, brother. And you know what? We had our own car manufacturing company in Jersey. I can't think of the name of it right now. Maybe some of the fly folk can tap in and do the quick research. But we had our own manufacturing car company. You know, like GE and not GE, but uh, GMC, Ford, yeah, 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 yeah. We had our own in New Jersey. So, and yeah, yeah. It may add value to it. In fact, Mr. Henry Ford came down to um, 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 Alabama, Santa Tulsa, and talked to George Washington Carver. Right, the plant. And he, and he asked George Washington Carver to create something that he can use. And George Washington Carver created the soybean. The soybean is man-made. The soybean is plastic. So Mr. Henry Ford took the soybean back up north and he no longer called it the car manufacturer. He called it the car plant. Right. And right, that's where the right, term right. comes from. Now plant. all the cars are made of plastic. But the point is, the brilliance, it's how brilliant we are, family. So hey, why right. don't we teach our own people? We put yeah, our kids was- in these we put our kids in these uh, white institutions and and, and and we wonder why our children are all jacked up in the head. Yeah. Now, See, all hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. One moment, bro. One moment, bro. I, I, sorry to interrupt your measure, but one of the fly folk tapped in. It was C.R. Patterson because it was in Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, well, no, it wasn't. Yeah. C.R. Patterson was the car company that was uh, it was melanated on. It was black-owned businesses back in the day. Uh, yeah, up in Jersey, man. So salute that. Keep going with your message. I just want to salute uh, Adot V-Dots. A-Dots V-Dots. Well, we're A-like, B-like, and we see it like. So salute to A-Dots V-Dots. Back to you, good brother. Back to you. Appreciate it, brother. So, like, like I was saying, like, it's, it's becoming almost imperative to begin to teach our narrative and our history and our mathematics and our science. And that's what the Morris Science Temple was started for, family. And I keep championing the Morris Science. This brother, Noble Joe Ali, in the 1920s, figured that if he started his own organization and taught us who we are and taught our children every Sunday who they were. See, my children right now, my, my daughter is uh, 12, my son is 8. Since, since they were four and five, I always taught them that they had a nationality. And I taught my children that you're not black and you're not Negroes and you're not colored folks and you're not African-American. You're Moors. And they say, well, what makes us Moors? Because you are what your forefathers were, without any doubt. 
When you ask your little European friend in school his nationality, he says Irish and walks away proud. You don't argue with him and ask him, well, how you know you're Irish? You could be something. No, you don't do that with nobody else. The Jewish, the, 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 the ones in New York with the long bangs and the hats on, they're Jewish. You talking about the Ashkenazi? Yeah, the Ashkenazi Jews and the, and, 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 and the Sephardim, you don't argue with them. Matter of fact, nobody black argues with anybody about their nationality if it comes to me saying that I'm Moorish American or um, 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 uh, 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 um, or um, Yamasee or I'm Seminole or I'm Cherokee or I'm Sioux or I'm Blackfoot or I'm Geechee or I'm Gullah or I'm Chicktaw. Then you want to argue with me about my nationality, right? <laughs> but you don't well, even you know what. I, I say this, bro. I say this. We argue because epigenetically and what we've been taught is that we came from nothing. And that's what uh, Arturo Schomburg. So if you go to if you go to Brooklyn, not Brooklyn, but if you go to New York, you're going to find the Schomburg Museum of African Studies. So Arturo Schomburg, like I said back in the day, he was told by his teacher that your people created nothing. So he he heard that and he said, I'm going out to prove him wrong. So Arturo Schomburg is the one who started the term Afro-Boricua, which later became Afro-American because he moved to the United States of America and he got clicked in, like you call him the boule. I'm talking about the organizations like, um, uh, I can't think of the name of the organization that Du Bois started, but he was clicked in with them. So it went from African American, I mean, from Afro American to African American. And like you were saying, Jesse Jackson really championed and fought for that term. I'm getting to this point. Oh, first of all, I want to uh, bring the highlight to C.R. Patterson, Sons and Company. Uh, and so you see the information right there on the screen. You see the information there, right there on the screen. The C.R. Pattersons and Sons Company was a carriage building firm and the first African-American owned automobile manufacturer. The company was founded by Charles Richard Patterson, who was born into slavery in April 1883 on a plantation in Virginia. Two up, two down. His parents were Nancy and Charles Patterson. So this car company was started by our people and they had never seen they had, they had, you know, this shows the genius of our melanated people. We know you love jazz music. So let's try some jazz music with a little R&B flavor. What about some jazz music with a little trap flavor? Jazz and Caribbean. Hey, we mix it up. So, online, look for Grandpa Crunk and enjoy the great jazz music. Grandpa Crunk. Jazz music. Uh, so, we can overcome this epigenetics. We can get out of our slave mind. And Brother Ponder, you said earlier, one of the ways we can get out of our slave mentality, out of our slave mind, is by business export. You know, business works, being involved in business. What are some other ways that we can get out of our slave mentality? By educating ourselves, brother. 
The word educate comes from the Greek word ediku. It means to pull out what's already in. It's already in you, family. It's already in your DNA. It's already coded. It's already hardwired in there. People are not scared of your skin. They're scared of your mind. That's what they're oh, afraid yeah. of. They're afraid remember. if... They're afraid if... If you... Whether mess around and begin to read... And not only that. Not only just read. But if you get all of the successful black realtors in Atlanta to begin to talk to the Sankofa in Virginia and Sankofa begin to talk to where's Black Biz in New Jersey and we get to talk to our brothers in Nigeria and we establish international trade, then they already know it's more of us than it is them. And if all of us get on the same damn page, we outpower them 10 to 1 when it comes to the dollar. That's why what Brother Gaddafi was doing was so important. Gaddafi was like, look, we're just going to take what the resources we got, which is the gold, the oil, the foresight, right? All that all that stuff we got in our ground that belongs to us because it's our land. And we're going to use that to back up our currency. Now, imagine if the the 40 million so-called Negroes in America were to begin to talk to one another. The brothers in Atlanta talk to the brothers in L.A. And they talk to the brothers in San Copa in Virginia. They talk to the brothers in New York. And we all begin to hold our own conferences somewhere like in Chicago every year. And we discuss national black dollars amongst the 48 states. That's where the problem lies. That's why societies like the Boule. And the Boule, I'm not picking on them. I'm just getting you to understand that people like W.E.B. Du Bois was a was an adversary of Marcus Garvey. Because Marcus Garvey said, let's do for ourselves. Right. Let's establish our own freight line and do international trade. Let's all get on a boat and just get the hell out of America. They can't survive without us anyway. Let's just leave. And people like W.E.B. Du Bois said, no. Let's begin to establish this black brand, this Negro brand, this Negro attitude. We must stay close to our support system. Well, you know what? Go ahead. You know what? Uh, I want to add a little context to that. When we look at W.E. Du Bois, he was he was struggling. He was struggling with that biracial thing. Uh, He was struggling with that biracial thing. Yeah, Yeah, he was. I ain't gonna say that because words like quadroon and mulatto Octoroon. and creole yeah. were already established for people who looked like W.E.B. Du Bois. Howard University was already established for the light-skinned black folks of his era. The light-skinned black folks of his era wanted nothing to do with dark-skinned Negroes. So it wasn't a struggle. It was to let me find as many people who look like me who like, bright, damn near white, and we're going to formulate our own society and our own group. Did you know Howard University was started by white politicians? Because the high rate of white politicians sleeping with black women were producing so many light-skinned babies that the light-skinned children felt they were privileged because of their fathers did not want to go to church I'm sorry, not church, but school with dark-skinned Negroes. So dark-skinned Negroes had to fight against segregation of white people and light-skinned people. So Howard University was founded for light-skinned people. Spelman was founded 
for light-skinned people. So he didn't struggle with it. There was no struggle yep. with it. He they quickly did. identified himself with light, bright, damn near white society. Think about it, brother. The first brothers who began to break down barriers for so-called black folks, people like Thurgood Marshall. Look yeah. at him. Rosa Parks. Okay. Let's look at, no, not even Rosa. We ain't never Ro- the 60s yet. We, okay, we're not even okay. there yet. We're in the 20s and 30s. 40s and 50s. Let's look at, uh, not, not not just Thurgood Marshall, Let's look at our first black actors. Google the first black actors in the 20s and 30s who break down. Anybody that broke down barriers, Lena Horne, were yeah. all of a certain pedigree. This was done on purpose. Then yeah. they opened the doors for Sidney Poitier and the other dark-skinned brothers. Wesley Snipes broke down barriers for dark-skinned people. My point is, bro, my point is, bro, <laughs> that those of us who are of lighter hue and those of us who of darker hue have both struggled with certain things that the others didn't have to deal with. My father and my mother struggled with different things, although both of them were people of African descent. So all in looking and looking at the history from our privileged position, we know that Du Bois dealt with some things and some he, he made some decisions that were counter. Um, that were counterproductive. He also made some decisions that were productive. And some of the things that he struggled with was he got benefits because of his complexion, but he wasn't able to easily pass on some of those benefits. And so he couldn't. And so I'm not, I'm not making up excuses for him. I'm simply saying that the mentality and the experience of uh, the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey and the experiences of the Honorable W.E. Du Bois were different because of their complexion and because of the things they were struggling with because of their complexion, although they both fought for our improvement and our, uh, uh, our, our liberation and f- they both fought for us. Now, now, there's some things that W.E.B. Du Bois went through because he was an American Negro that Marcus Garvey didn't go through because he had a, he, he wasn't an American. He you had made a, my point. You just made my point. You know, he had nationality, so he could move a little different than W.E.B. Du Bois. W.E.B. Du Bois under the thumb of the, uh, the founders of NAACP, I forgot to get their name, the, uh, um, the white lobbyists who, who uh, helped him um, um, uh, secure certain uh, platforms. Now, W.E.B. Du Bois was not popular amongst the black population. Let's not get that twisted. He was no, not. He wasn't. He he's wasn't. not even celebrated for Black History Month that, that, that much. He's mentioned. Right. Right. But he's one of the what? honorable mentions. But, but to take that into context, during that time period that Dr. King was on the move, he wasn't that popular either. Well, well, now see, Dr. King was, was, was fabricated. Well, Dr. That, okay. King was... Dr. King okay. was created. Dr. Okay. King was 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 a a deacon at first, a minister in Atlanta. Won't, won't bother nobody because his daddy was a pastor, a mega church in Atlanta. Right. They had they had to find somebody. They had to find somebody. But they they do they did do it now, brother. They find uh, M. L. King was the Barack of his day. Clean record, clean right. cut. Let's find somebody who you know what I mean who can move. Now he was a puppet. Nobody asked how was he able to found all those movements without any money because he wasn't getting it from the church. No, nah, because the church, the, capital? the church was not supporting Dr. King at the time. So it's kind of funny Zero. to me when I go into churches and they have pictures up of Dr. King and they say stuff like, hey, the civil rights uh, the civil rights struggle was based firmly in the black church. I'm like, nah, not really because y'all weren't rocking with Dr. King 
Uh, but you know what? This is this is going into a totally different conversation, bro. No, no, I, no, I no, love no, Trump. But it all plays into the. It does. Listen, bro, it does. It's all playing in part to the epigenetics and where we are. And I know the family don't mind listening and understanding because it's a lot to cover. Like we had to talk for a whole week, man, because it's it's too much to cover. <laughs> it is. It's it too is. much to cover. Now. Dealing with the point of epigenetics and what's in our DNA and why we think the way we think and why we don't practice more black economics and why we don't do this, do that, and third, it's all um, um, inside of what we're talking about. It, it all this is what we're talking about. It does. It's all Look, one and the same. We're dealing with the fruit, not the root. Well, then I want to take you back to some root type questions. So if we're saying get out of your cotton picking mind, stop thinking like a slave. What are some traits of slave thinking? Uh, we'll answer that, and then we'll, we'll we'll save the rest for the next slide, bro. What are some traits of slave thinking that we need to get out of our system, bro? Okay. Um, some of those traits are just not getting along with one another. Okay. Um, Something that was made uh, popular, uh, unpopular in our community was um, snitching. (laughs) (laughs) Real snitching, not this junk they talk about now, because that's not real snitching. That snitching, in its truest form, was being an agent that stopped progressive movements. Right, but that came from something called meritorious manumission. Okay. <laughs> and Mary Torres May Mitchell said that if you tell on somebody who's about to escape or you did something to save master's property, you will be rewarded. Sometimes by being freed yourself. Um so things like that, man, that that keeps a perpetual cycle of us not progressing. The brother also said religion. Religion was one of the conduits that was misused to manipulate black minds. The reason black people are so in tune with religion, especially Christianity, because it's familiar. We created it. <laughs> right, right, it right. It. It's ours. It is, you know? it is. Sister Uncle Tommy. Uncle Sister Tommy. Uncle Tommy. <laughs> Sister, I would encourage you to read the book Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uncle Tom was not the bad guy. That's a misnomer you know, that we have to stop. Um, he yeah. was not. Yeah, that, that's interesting how we flip that around. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. feeling beneath pale people, colorism. Well, we feel beneath pale people because we choose to. Now, I'm going to hit you with some more science. <laughs> Your thoughts are the cause of it all. Your thoughts okay. are the cause of it all. I walk into a room full of white people, I don't feel no different. I feel, matter of fact, I know I'm superior. We must educate ourselves to understand that we're all the superior people. Not, not, not saying that they're inferior, but just saying that we are just as good as they are, if not better. I don't know who in history made white people the mark for success, what made them the mark to be uh, rich or whatever term you put on them. They're not the mark family. They're not, <laughs> they're not the end all be all. What they do is they they practice a great deal of group economics. They look out for one another. 
white people would lie in public together. They would tell the same lie in public together. Black folk can't tell the truth together in public without fussing. So we have to understand that we must begin to, even if it's a lie, begin to agree in public together. We got to stay on code. That's what happened with uh, the situation with Gail and Lisa Leslie. Lisa Leslie stayed on code. Right. Lisa Leslie stayed on code. What happened with that real quick? I, 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 didn't, I didn't follow up on that. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll give a quick, and you know, I don't follow yeah, yeah. really heavily, but quickly, uh, Gail King, and you know what? I used to have a crush on Gail. Gail <laughs> was interviewing Sister Lisa Leslie, and she asked her about Kobe because Lisa Leslie and Kobe were cool with each other, been cool with each other for years. And then in the midst of it, Gail says, well, you know he abused women or something to that effect. And Lisa Leslie wow. on code said, that's not the Kobe I know. That's not what I experienced. And Gail then pushed to disagree with Lisa Leslie as if Lisa Leslie didn't know Kobe Bryant as well as she did. Wow. And, and this was all stemming to the situation where Kobe was accused of raping a young lady and interestingly enough the lady's prosecuting support her 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 team dropped her said hey the evidence does not support rape your friends are saying that he didn't rape you the things that you were quoted is saying uh, and so they the prosecutor dropped the case because of lack of evidence to prove and so i'm not going to get in there because i wasn't in the room I wasn't in the room, so and you know I do I do believe we need to believe women. However, the women in that woman's life didn't believe her because of the things she told them and all the support pulled, and so he was never convicted. It never even went to court because the prosecution. I mean, it never even finished in court because the prosecution pulled the case. So. In the midst wow. of the conversation, Gail implied that he was an abuser. And Lisa Leslie was like, nope, that's not the Kobe I knew. And then when gotcha. Gail said her slick stuff, you know, Lisa stayed on code and said, that's not true. And I don't like the way this conversation is going. And so right, right. the black media, Professor Black Truth, Tariq Nasheed, um, you know, the brother from ADOS, I can't think of his name right now, Yvette Carnell, all the people who were involved in the Foundation of Black Americans, the ADOS, American Descendants of Slaves, B1, Professor Truth, and uh, the Black Authority, and the rest of the Black media, they jumped on Gail, and now she's crying, and, you know... Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a crazy okay, situation, okay. but it I'm saying that Lisa Leslie stayed on code. Yeah, it wasn't serious I thought it was. See, I, 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 don't, I don't even watch TV, so I, don't, I heard yeah, I everybody yeah. say but, but that but goes anyway. with throwing each, under, throwing each other under buses, under bus. which... You're right, right. So that's one of the things that have been embedded in our DNA, but some of us are waking up like Lisa Leslie. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, 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 staying on code for for us is possible and it's tangible, but it it's only tangible. seems to happen amongst society members. And who are the society members of the black people? Those are your alphas, your kappas, your omegas, your masons, your your your, yeah. your shriners, you know, <laughs> those boule, like those those societies of us, right? I'm saying us, right? Because mm -hmm. I understand we are almost sworn into a code or secrecy that we don't do this to one another. And I think uh, with black people in America, 
there needs to be a code established amongst ourselves. There needs to be a conference. There needs to be something happening that we establish a code amongst ourselves to like, no matter what happened, we don't disrespect ourselves in public. You, you know, we don't degrade uh, our women's in public. Matter of fact, I should. any any more music or rap videos that portray us in a negative light, we're gonna ban that shit. Now, in private, in our house, we can turn up. Closed doors, we can we turn can turn up. up. But right. to the rest of the world, we must begin to redefine the narrative. But it won't happen, brother, because we have a psycho necrosis mind, and with our epigenetic coding right now, we're almost doomed to self-destruct, and we keep speaking this black spell on our lives. So we must begin to change our mouthpiece and change our thinking. And as we say in the more scientific once again, out of the worst, the wise find the means of good. So we must find the means of good in the worst of our situation right now and turn it to a positive. Ashe, you know what? I think this is a great stopping point. Uh, you said we must have a conference in July 2020, the Foundational Black American Conference uh, set up by uh, Tariq Nasheed and some others. It wasn't just totally about him. Uh, is going to address some of the things that we need to deal with so we can okay. be on code. Uh, for instance, we're going to deal with the B1 initiative is saying that we're only going to vote for things that are tangible. So you're going to see the hashtag tangibles 2020. So that means that Democrat, Republican, whoever, if you're not going to give us tangible things that we want, we're not voting for you. We'll just go down the ballot and we'll skip that line item that has presidential. Because if the Democrat candidate and the Republican candidate and the independent candidate and the libertarian candidate are not coming with tangibles that impact ours, we're not voting on that level. And we go down one level. And if the governors and the senators are bringing us tangibles, we're going to drop down. And so we might go to city council. And if city council and the school board are not bringing us tangibles, hey, you know, the most powerful thing is to say, I'm a registered voter with a voting history, and you need to prove to us, to us, that we need to support you. Or we're just going to drop down. So the B1 movement is talking about those things. And what's focused on is um, reparations for people of, um, for foundational black Americans or ADOS. Um, and then Time out. Work- Time out one second. All right. Because I... I want to keep you honest on this, man. Now, I, I know, I know where you're going to go, and I want to hold that to the next slide. I just want to go talk ahead. about the conference. Uh, so, if you're Please. interested in what uh, Brother Jacoby was talking about uh, in terms of going to a conference, that conference is available. So now, everybody wants to know now where's Jacoby going with uh, the the uh, the distaste that came up in his mouth based on something Seiko just said. We're gonna make you wait till next week to deal with that, or maybe weeks in the in advance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we want you to keep coming back. Hey, I want to salute Crumb from Crumb TV for allowing us on his platform. We're also on Our Black Improvement. Uh, that's my platform on Facebook. We're on Black Improvement on Facebook. We're on Forward Ever. We're also on Branch of Knowledge and coming soon. We're going to do something with Brother Ponder so you can keep getting this information that he has because he's a minister of information and we want to make sure we get this great information. Uh, so, uh, the brother says voting is for sleep people. I have to pull away and disagree, brother. But, uh, hey, we love you. 
We love you. No matter what your thoughts are, we love you. Peace and love, family. Peace and love. And so we want everyone to stay fly, stay in the movement, stay growing, stay fly. Stay fly, 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 stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay conscious. Stay fly.